Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. Hey, well, welcome. This is something different um, in that I have got COVID at the moment, tested positive, so I'm having to self-isolate, which is why I'm um, not being recorded by um, our team, but instead I'm doing this at home and uh, we're going to be kind of doing it in a different way. But why don't you find the Gospel of John chapter 6? We're going to be talking about that as we start in a new series, which as you can see is called All About Jesus, the Apostle John, was really clear and upfront about why it was that he wrote his gospel, his story of the life of Jesus, his first-hand account of the things that he heard and saw uh, as he as he became a follower of Jesus Christ. He said that he'd written, he'd wrote the things down out of so many other things that he could have written down. He said, "I've written these things down so that you would believe, so you and me would believe that Jesus really is the Son of God." And that by believing in him, we would find life in his name. Now, John chapter 6 starts with a very famous account. Why don't you go there? Of the feeding of the 5,000 when Jesus uh, fed over 5,000 people with just um, a small meal of a little bit of bread and some fish. And, um, And that was amazing, but it didn't convince everybody in the crowd that he was the son of God. Very often uh, in John's gospel, he'll talk about a, a sign or a miracle that happened. And then he'll say, when they saw this, some of his disciples started to believe in him. But just because they saw miracles doesn't mean people necessarily followed the Messiah. See, when Jesus did miracles, it wasn't just to show everybody what he could do. It was to show people who he actually is. He didn't do miracles ever just to show off. He did it to show who he is and uh, and and. As we read on, we see that there were times when uh, people did follow him, but very often the multitudes, the crowds, just wanted the meal, not the Messiah. Uh, They were following the signs and not the saviour. They wanted the works, but not the word of God, which is one of the titles of Jesus. Um, many years ago, I remember hearing a pastor when I'd first become a Christian talking about how he, uh, they, they prayed for somebody in the church who'd had an incredible healing. He was basically at death's door and was prayed for and was, was healed in a most remarkable way. And how the pastor went to go and visit him afterwards. And obviously everybody knew it was a miracle, including this guy. And they asked him and they said to him, um, will you come in an alpha course? Do you want to start coming to the church? And the guy said, I don't want any of that now. Thanks very much. I'm feeling better. I just want to get on with my life. I'm not interested in any of that God stuff. And I remember the pastor said, some people just want the the healing, but they don't want the healer. And that's um, something about what was going on here. Jesus's miracles are often called signs in the Bible, um, pointing to who he is. And we might think that if somebody sees a miracle, then they're bound to become a follower. Um, but these people just wanted more miracles uh, rather than to actually put their trust in him. You see, sometimes it wouldn't matter what they saw because they wanted more and more signs all the time. They just wanted to find another sign or another sign. They kept asking for more and more signs rather than coming to the one they pointed to. They were willing to accept that, that Jesus could do something for them and that he was perhaps some kind of miracle man, but they didn't see him as the son of God walking among them on the earth. They rejected him as that. They were following for the food, but they didn't become his followers. And after feeding that massive crowd miraculously, 
um, with bread and fish. Some of the people said, he's a prophet. He's, he's the prophet that Moses spoke about centuries before. Uh, other people said that um, he's, he's an earthly king. He's the Messiah. He's come to uh, set us free from the Romans. They wanted to make him their, their king at that, that time. That, you know, they saw him as a, as a great leader. And he is all of those things, of course. He is a prophet and he is a great leader and he is the king and so much more. And we're starting this series, a very exciting series, where we're going to be looking at this starting today all about Jesus. And we're going to be between now and Christmas looking at some of the more than 150 names and titles that he holds. Some that others gave him, others like this one himself, that he, he gave himself to tell people, to denote to people an aspect of who he is. And, and especially repeatedly what he called himself here as the bread of life. See, as we read on, when you get John's gospel and, and read along with me, you're going to see as you go through, Jesus sent his disciples into a boat across the lake to be able to get away from the crowds. And then they get caught up in this terrible storm. They're a few miles out to sea and suddenly they see him coming towards them, walking on the water. But in their fear, they've got no place for this. They don't know what's going on. They think it's a ghost and they, they cry out in their fear. Verse 20, then he says his, his voice speaks over the roar of the waves and he says, it is I, don't be afraid. Or more literally, as they wonder who he is, he says, I am, fear not. I am, fear not. See, now, it is I, in the original language, is the phrase ego eimi. That's very important because it's the name of God that Moses heard from the midst of the burning bush. In Exodus chapter 3, when he wanted, uh, when Moses wanted to know, he said, who's the name of this God? Who, who are you that, I, that I'm going to be able to go and speak to people and say that you sent me um, back in Egypt? Yahweh said, uh, said his name is I am, literally. Uh, that's what it means. So Jesus isn't just saying here when he says, I am. He's not just saying to them as he's approaching them in the boat, it's me, or I'm here, it's only me. No, he's saying the great name of God. He's saying the great I am is here, or I, Yahweh, am here with you. And then he literally commands them, stop fearing. Now, to the Jewish people, uh, I am is the most sacred name that you could ever imagine it's it's absolutely incredible that he is ascribing he's taking this name to himself but i am comes jesus comes in the middle of the storm and he is god and and uh, and he demonstrates who he is by by what he does next uh, i love this this phrase i am uh, in the middle of your storm he is god do you know that today jesus is always he always is. He's always with you in the middle of the storm. Somebody wrote this. To the artist, he's altogether lovely. To the architect, he's the chief cornerstone. To the banker, he's the hidden treasure. To the baker, he's the living bread. To the biologist, he's the life. To the builder, he's the sure foundation. To the doctor, he's the great physician. To the educator, he's the great teacher. To the farmer, he's the lord of the harvest. To the florist, he's the rose of Sharon. To the geologist, he's the rock of ages. To the jeweller, he's the pearl of great price. To the lawyer, he's the advocate. To the publisher, he's good tidings of great joy. To the philosopher, he's the wisdom of God. To the preacher, 
he's the word of God. To the sculptor, he's the living stone. To the statesman, he's the desired of all nations. To the theologian, he's the author and finisher of faith. To the traveller, he's the new and living way. To the sinner, he's the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And to the Christian, he's the Son of the living God, the Saviour, the Redeemer and the Lord. He is the great I am. Don't you love that? I just love that. And then following on along in your Bible, why don't you do that? Jesus then gets in the boat and immediately, it says immediately, in the blink of an eye, they find themselves out of the storm and up on the shore. It's another miracle. A while later, many of the crowd that he'd fed before have kind of skirted all the way around the lake. They've come around the lake. They've gone looking for him because they didn't have boats, all of them. And when he find him, he says to them, you're looking for me, not because you, you're looking for me, but just because you saw the signs that I performed. It's because you ate the loaves and you had your fill and now you're hungry again. Um, let me read that to you in the message version and how it says that in here in John chapter 6 verses 26 to 35 Jesus answered you come looking for me not because you saw God in my actions but because I fed you filled your stomachs and for free don't waste your life striving for perishable food like that work for the food that sticks with you food that nourishes you for a lasting life food the son of man provides he and what he does are guaranteed by God the Father to last. They said, well, what do we do then to get in on God's works? Jesus said, follow the one that God has sent. They waffled. So this is the message version. They waffled. Why don't you give us a clue about who you are? Then we'll commit ourselves. Show us what you can do. Moses fed our ancestors with bread in the desert. It says so in the scriptures, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. You can see here, they're just looking for Jesus to give them another free meal, another miracle meal. Like manna fell from the sky centuries before, they're saying they want that to happen for them too. Because uh, they can't find a shop and they're all hungry. So, um, Jesus responded... The real significance of that scripture is not that Moses gave you bread from heaven, but that my father is right now offering you bread from heaven. The real bread, the bread of God came down out of heaven and is giving life to the world. They jumped at that. Master, give us this bread now and forevermore. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. There it is again. Did you notice? I am. Then as we read on, he keeps repeating the statement over and over again. I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. Verse 32, he says it again. Verse 33, I am the bread of life. Verse 48, I am the bread of life. And this is the first of seven I am statements in the Gospel of John, where the Lord takes what's called the tetragrammation, Yahweh, the verb to be in Hebrew, the divine name of God that the Jews held so holy they dared not speak it out loud the i am that i am and not only applies it to himself as the bread of life um he he, he adds on to it by describing this extra metaphor uh, he doesn't just say i am but he adds more on like in the old testament when god added onto his name yahweh Another word or selection of words that told us the kind of God he is. Yahweh our righteousness, 
Um, you've probably heard of people talk about Jehovah Jireh, God our provider, similar kind of thing. It's Yahweh Jireh um, or Yahweh our, our healer or Yahweh Roi, the, the, the one who sees uh, our banner, all these different kinds of, of additional names unto God. Well, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. I am the vine. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. I am the resurrection and the life. But he starts out here by saying, I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. He's making very clear statements that tell us he and God are one and the same. You see, if I stood here and told you, hello, I am a loaf of bread. Um, my name is Bertie Baguette, and I want you to call me that from now on. Um, it, uh, hello, I am Harry Hovis. I am, um, you know, Michael Muffin. You're, you're going to say that guy is crazy. But when Jesus says here, I am the bread of life, he was responding to Jewish people who knew their Old Testament, who were testing him by quoting to him about how God sent manna in the desert because they knew about Moses and they knew what I am meant too. And they're trying to figure it out. And then he starts off by saying that I am the bread of life because he's responding to Jewish people, as I say, who knew their Old Testaments. And, they're, they're, and he says, he says to them, you've got to eat this bread to have eternal life. There's no, there's no way anybody hearing that could have thought anything other than that he was saying that, that he was... Well, mad or bad or the son of God. He was either blaspheming or bonkers or he was who he claimed to be. There are three options, mad or bad or God. When you read on, you see so many of the crowd were offended because they thought that he was blaspheming against God. They said, we know, we know who he is. We know who Jesus is. It's just Jesus. Others said that began to think that he was crazy. His own family, who were, his brothers were worried about him and people started to leave him. Even his own disciples, it says, many of his disciples started to leave him as he was talking about this, this choice that they had to make about, about receiving his life into them, eating his body and drinking his blood. It says many of them stopped following him at this point, but there were some who stayed and believed. People like Peter, uh, Jesus even said to Peter, what are you going to leave to? And then Peter said, well, where else will we go to? There's only you who have the words of eternal life. So was Jesus mad or was he bad or was he God? Those are the three options that C.S. Lewis famously gave us when he said you have to decide was Jesus, was Jesus liar, lunatic or Lord? Um, it turns out C.S. Uh, Lewis was once speaking to a whole group of RAF personnel many of whom he knew didn't believe that jesus was god but they would talk they'd just been talking about how he was they thought he was a great human teacher or an inspiring figure for them but he showed them that that jesus claimed to be able to forgive sins as if he was the one offended against how he claimed on various occasions to have always existed before time began and he said that he'd never die uh, but he would come back to judge the living and the dead at the end of all time and so c.s lewis summed up what that meant in his book mere christianity saying this i'm going to read a quote about it he said i'm here trying to prevent anybody saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him when they say i'm ready to accept jesus as a great moral teacher but i don't accept his claim to be god 
That is the one thing we must not say. A man who claimed to be a man who was sorry, a man who was merely a man and said the sort of things that Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level with a man who says he's a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God, or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool, you can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come up with any patronising nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. And then C.S. Lewis finishes this by saying, Now it seems obvious to me that he was neither a lunatic nor a fiend. And consequently, however strange or terrifying or unlikely it may seem, I have to accept the view that he was and is God. Jesus said he's the bread of life. Bread appears 360 times in the Bible, 280 times in the Old Testament, 80 times in the New Testament. And when Jesus said he was the bread of life, he was saying nobody can live without him. You can't live without Jesus Christ. You can't really live without him. When he was saying he was the bread of life, uh, he, he was taking on the, the idea that, you know, every race, every region, every religion throughout the whole of history, there's, there's this bread that's been literally part of the staple diet of, of everybody. And right then, when Jesus was speaking, the Roman Empire considered bread as being more vital than meat. The Roman welfare state was based on the distribution of grain to the poor and soldiers felt slighted if they were not given their daily allotment of bread, which in time, actually, of course, bread became a slang word for money, because sometimes the people in those days were actually paid in bread. Now, as we get nearer and nearer to Christmas, we can see the link, because you did, know, did you know that Bethlehem, the little town where Jesus was born, was literally means house of bread. So a picture there in the manger, all wrapped up the baby, the bread of life. And now we might eat for Christmas, Stolen bread, which Germans eat at Christmas, and um, Polish or Eastern Europeans have their own versions, and Italians, of course, have panettone bread, uh, named after Tony. Not really. Uh, don't know what it's named after, to be honest with you. Um, but all of these commemorate, um, in in some way, they have the idea, their origins celebrate the bread of heaven. And one thing we do at Ivy around this time of year, every year, because of that because we know what Christmas is actually all about and it's all about Jesus we say could you rein it in at Christmas and give it in in the new year could you do something a little bit different this year uh, we have a special offering every year called first fruits at the start of the new year and we use it for all kinds of generous and imaginative projects um, that really help people and push the mission of the church forward but we do so by by saving up for that we save money that we don't spend so much at Christmas because I don't need 10 of those I don't need five of those maybe one or two of them will do and actually Christmas of course is meant to be a time about giving not just receiving so we don't need to go into debt for Christmas we save up and we save ourselves from all that commercial craziness uh, that, that just remembering how beautifully simple Christmas actually 
is is meant to be when as a, a scripture says though he was rich yet for your sakes he became poor when you put jesus at the center of it all you see that um, we don't have to celebrate in the way that the world celebrates because it, for us it's not just about tinsel it's not just about turkey like this series says it's all about jesus and then as you carry on and we're finishing up the, the chapter, John uh, says that Jesus went into the synagogue and because they're still now really, really hungry, they're asking him about Moses and the manna, the miracle bread that fell from heaven because now they, they, they would just want some food. But he just replies over and over again, I'm the bread of life. I'm the bread of life. He's telling them, I am most essential for your life. Anything else that you might get any time of the year, won't completely satisfy you and he says it wasn't Moses who gave you that bread it was the father who gave you the bread because that bread came from heaven and then he repeats it he says I am the bread I am the living bread that has come down to you from heaven I'm the bread he says that gives life to the world but you know it's not enough just to hear about this or to believe this or to agree with it or not disagree with it or to know about it you have to do something like you have to do something with the bread what do you have to do you have to eat it so it nourishes you so that somehow that bread sustains you it becomes part of you you bring it into your life into your very being and this is what Jesus is saying for us he doesn't want to be some external God to us he wants to be in us and, and and for our lives to be completely suffused with his life so he goes on to say i am the bread that gives life to anybody who comes to me and he says anybody anybody who comes to me and eats of me no matter what we've done before when we do this he said they will live forever again anybody who says this isn't just a noble teacher or a prophet they're either liar lunatic Oh Lord, and so we have the opportunity, you've got the chance to be able to do this individually and personally today and collectively as we pray now and whenever we take communion or however we do that, when we pray for our daily bread, it's a sign of this. Nobody else can do this for you. Question, are you hungry enough yet for the, the bread that actually fully satisfies? Do you feel any emptiness on the inside? Only Jesus can fill that emptiness. The bread of life says, come to me freely. It starts with believing. It involves, it has to involve receiving. Jesus said, I give my body for the life of the world. Come to me and you won't stay hungry. Come to me and I will raise you up on the last day. Jesus says, I am the living bread. I am the bread of heaven. Taste and see that I am good. And then get my life, that everlasting life that comes from the bread of heaven inside of your life as you receive this and say yes by faith today. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, go to ivychurch.org media.